Hey, Dan, do you know what month it is? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the month that pollen infests my lungs because I've been sneezing a lot. I completely agree with that. My allergies have been on fleek lately, but on a more serious note. Yeah, on a more serious note besides our allergies. <laughs> As some of you might know, April is actually Sexual Assault Awareness Month. You've probably seen it all over your Insta stories. Your friends must have mentioned it to you. So this episode, this is going to be an up-close perspective on Duke's pervasive culture of sexual assault. We've read it in the news, in the Chronicle, mentioned by our friends, but we've never actually had a first-hand perspective on this issue. At least I haven't. But from what I know, this isn't just a Duke problem, though, is it? No, Dan, it really isn't. In my opinion, it's a national epidemic. I'm sure most of us have heard the controversial one in five women are sexually assaulted before they graduate statistic. And as if that weren't appalling enough, here at Duke we have a completely different monster. In 2018, approximately 48% of Duke undergrad females experienced some form of sexual assault. This number is up from 40% in 2016. And if we're being honest, Duke has never been one for handling sexual assault cases well. Lacrosse scandal <clears throat> Wow, those are some ghastly statistics. But I can't help to think that at the end of the day, these are just statistics, right? We see numbers on the news all the time, but we don't really know the stories behind these numbers. So we think it would make us more conscious about sexual assault if we actually heard the narratives and stories of these women who have experienced this assault on campus. And while both of our guests today are female, we want to acknowledge that the experience of sexual assault is not limited to women. In fact, 14% of males on Duke's campus have experienced sexual assault, and that number is also up from 10% in 2016. Wow. So this is clearly a national epidemic. It's not just females who are affected by this. That's, it's touching everyone. Yep. That's shocking. There really needs to be something done. Um, so as we mentioned, for this episode of Tea Time with Dan, we really hope to shine some more light on this prevalent issue. And we're going to be changing the voices of our guests speaking to try to respect their privacy and preserve anonymity. So don't try guessing who it is. <laughs> and anyways, please stay tuned, and we hope you gain a new, new perspective, perspective from listening. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi. We're here today to talk about a very sensitive subject, but I think it's one that I think me and my friend here both feel like needs to be talked about from our perspective. And I mean, a lot of the reason that we both agree to do this is because we feel like people at Duke have very um, specific views of assault and what that is and what it looks like yes and are not sometimes aren't very understanding of the other side and obviously it's a very complicated situations and there's so many different forms of it but I think we just wanted to like share our side of the story and how we feel and just give people a side of a story that they maybe haven't heard or a perspective that they might yeah not some have more heard. information yeah some more information for sure so hopefully this is helpful to everyone. Mm -hmm. um, I guess we're not going to say who we are because we're not comfortable with that, but uh, <laughs> I'll just start by giving you some background about my experience, I suppose. Uh, I haven't really talked about it much uh, ever at all, but I, I only feel comfortable talking about it to very few people. I, I don't, that's just, I don't know why, just perception and how I view myself, but it happened freshman year. I don't even really want to go into the details of it, but you can assume it was at a frat party. I was really, really fucked up. Like, I was blackout, and I woke up, and, you know, I knew something had happened, but I, I, I kind of just, like, 
let it, you know, I just, I didn't really know. And I didn't really know until recently. And it takes a long, it takes a long time to accept. And because I, I I didn't want to be identified. I didn't want to be one of those. And I know that sounds so harsh, but that's just how I perceived it. And now like that I have support and help, I know that that's not the case and that's not what it is. And like I have my friend who I'm sitting next to right now. I don't know what I do without her. And there are other resources that I've used that I'll talk about later, but. Yeah. I mean, coming to Duke my freshman year, everything was sort of like rosy and beautiful and gold. And it was a new experience and like nothing was frightening. I was like an independent person and, you know, I felt like good and powerful and I didn't really have much fear at all my freshman year. I didn't know what was going on on our campus because totally, I had so many friends who had gone through this experience already but didn't want to be known as the freshman who got mm-hmm. raped. Um, but then my sophomore year, um, I'd moved to sorority section. I was really excited about the year. Um, and about a month into the school year, we had our back-to-school mixer with another fraternity Um, And I was really excited to go out with all my friends. It was a great Thursday night for Divines. Um, We all had a great time, and we danced, and we just all hung out at the mixer. Um, And a few of my friends had complained about how a senior who was in my chem class was getting a little aggressive and touchy with them. Uh, They brought it up to members of the fraternity, but they all said, you know, that's just how he is when he's drunk. You don't have to worry about him. excuse. (laughs) Um, So then, fast forward to Divine's, maybe an hour later, um, I'm dancing with all my friends. I just put my phone down on the bar thing right by the entrance, Um, and this senior from my chemistry class walks up to me and asks if I know where my phone went or if I lost my phone. Um, So I check my pockets, and obviously I'm like, that's weird. Like, I just had my phone. Um, so he offers to let me use his phone to do find my iPhone. Um, what I didn't know at this point was that he had stolen my phone and turned it off and put it in his pocket. So after doing find my iPhone and finding nothing, he suggested that we go off and he can help me to find my lost phone. So when he did get me away from my friends, um, he decided that he was going to sexually assault me. Um, I was very clear that I was in pain and that I was not a consenting individual, but he told me that he was sure I liked it and that that's what felt good. Um, So that continued. Um, And at first, you know, I just wanted to get out of there. I wanted to find my phone. And the next day I wake up to a Facebook message that, you know, he's, oh, he's suddenly found my phone, um, and he wanted to talk with me to give it back. But unfortunately, I had lab with him, so I had to go to lab that day, and I was still in a state of denying that anything mm-hmm. bad had happened to me. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, like, I'm fine. I'm not going to be bothered by this. So I tried to go to class, and I probably broke down in front of seven people that day and that's how people started to find out that I was sexually assaulted mm-hmm. and I think it's it's very interesting because like I, I feel like you almost like had no choice but to be open about it and like I think what the one thing that people 
really and like I think people respect you for that obviously though because like you know being open about it and warning of people but a lot of times I think people expect like if something bad to happen that like you're like the victim is going to be able to just like go forward and speak mm. about it right away or just be like this horrible thing happened to me and be able to like pinpoint it right away mm. but a lot of times I feel like a lot like other people like to try to like assign what happened or label mm-hmm. it for you and like they don't really give you you know the chance to like really process to process it or like figure it out or they just make assumptions about everything and yeah so that was one thing I struggled with sort of immediately was like I don't want to report this to Duke because I don't want to ruin this person's life Mm -hmm. I'm a pre-med student too you know I know how hard they must have worked to get here senior year and Mm -hmm. what if this was just a drunk mistake he made and I unfortunately had to be the receiver of that. Mm -hmm. So that was something I was thinking for about a week until uh, another girl reached out to me and let me know that he had also sexually assaulted her. Mm -hmm. Um, And before I knew it, there were three other girls whose phones he'd stolen, lured them away, and sexually assaulted them as well. And that was sort of the point where it all changed for me, and I realized that this isn't a mistake that someone's making. Yeah. This is a choice they're making to permanently change another individual's life, not for the better. Mm-hmm. And I like, I think maybe like that's part of the reason why like you could have so much confidence because like at first you were doubtful of it because you just didn't know what had happened, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden like you re- like it was very clear to you that this guy was like a predator. Like mm-hmm. people were coming forward to you and. I think, like, in my situation, I don't, like, I don't know much about this person, but I know he doesn't go to Duke, and I know that I was really drunk, and I think, like, for me, the really hard part to, like, deal with is, like, oh, like, is, is, like, and it's, like, I sit here, and I don't want to blame myself, and I know I shouldn't blame myself, but, like, like, three years later, I just sit here and I can't help but think, like, oh, like, this wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been drinking or, mm-hmm. like, I I don't, you know what I mean? And, like, yeah. so I don't want to talk about it because, like, I think a lot of times people also, like, you Assign know. Assign blame as well. Yeah, and, like, I don't think they would be as, I mean, maybe this isn't a, you know, it's, like, hard because people. Yeah, it's really easy for like, us to blame ourselves. It's really easy and it's really easy for other people to, like, make excuses, like, mm-hmm when there's alcohol involved or I, I don't yeah, even exactly. know, but like also like people make a really big deal about certain things, but not other things. And I don't think there's a common, like there's not a common ground. Com- yeah. And there's no, it's, it's not always like SVU, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. So it's like, like some girls really might care, not care if you go around and grab their ass and shoot. Yeah, exactly. Because they're desensitized to it at this point. That happens. Mm-hmm. Every week at shooters. Like, oh, ha, 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 it's funny because, like, that's just what our culture is used to. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he grabbed my butt. Like, But in reality, that's sexual assault. You could be expelled from Duke for doing that if people realize that that was a big enough issue that should be reported. And that's another issue is, you know, we sort of laugh off all these behaviors, but mm-hmm. they escalate. The more your group comes together to empower some some set of behaviors that are really not mm-hmm. great or socially acceptable, 
things become dangerous, Mm -hmm. especially in my case, being a victim in a very long line of other victims. Mm -hmm. What was so disturbing to me was that the fraternity involved had so many opportunities to make a change and to stop this along the line. And they just continued to get report after report that this male was assaulting people. And when it came from girls in SLGs, they didn't think that was as important Mm -hmm. because those girls didn't hold as much power in their eyes. It's just hard to even express. But I think what's nice is, like, there are, like, steps being taken. taken. And, like, I think the women at Duke are lucky to have the Women's Center, I have to say. Like, that is one resource that I have been using for years now, and, like, I don't know what I would do without it, but, like... Yeah, I deal with an emergency problem. Yes. Every day. Yes. At an epidemic level. Mm -hmm. And that's great, and we need that, but it's also, like, I... I mean, I never went through the formal process, so I don't know, but I know that my friend can speak for it, and that's not effective, and it's not... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's miserable if anything <laughs> yeah so if you want I don't think it would be an easy ask to sit down and ask anyone who's just gone through a traumatic event to go sit in a room with an investigator for at least five weeks weekend after weekend and go through the details of your story you heard our guests the Duke formal reporting process is awful So we decided to look into exactly how long it would take to have a sexual misconduct case handled by Duke's administration. The student conduct website states that Duke, quote, seeks to resolve reports under their policy within 60 days from the receipt of a report. This excludes days that classes are not in session. This formal report then leads to an investigation stage, which, quote, may take 21 to 45 days or more to complete. Then, an additional two weeks after the completion of an investigation, an administrative or panel hearing is scheduled. Um, Yeah, so that's another big issue. And there's hundreds of sexual assault cases. 50% of Duke, I think, I don't know if people know that, 50% of women at Duke have reported it. And that's just, like, reporting it. And I think, like... It's such an underreported statistic. It's such an underreported statistic. statistic. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like... People just don't know. They don't understand. And like, I it takes you a long time to label an experience like that as realizing that you have been sexually assaulted. And it takes even longer to. I don't even realize when this change happened, but when I stopped seeing myself as this person's victim, and I started seeing myself as a survivor of what they had enforced on me, because this was not a decision I made. Mm -hmm. I didn't choose. To ruin my life mm-hmm. and to change it irreparably. Someone else took away my power and made that decision for me. Um, and like I, so I think that makes yeah. anyone who goes through that a very, very strong person. And I like I haven't reached this point yet. Like I don't perceive myself this way. Like I've been like struggling with anxiety and depression for longer than I've probably known for a long time now, but. Like, I've, I just, I finally reached a low point where I, like, I'm finally talking to my friends about it. Like, I started medication, and, like, I have my friend here telling me every day, like, you're stronger because of this. Like, you're amazing. Like, think about how strong you are. And, like, 
it's so important to hear that over and over again because, like, if it was just, you know, like... In the first six months after I was assaulted, I think I got out of bed and went to class one day a week at most just because my roommates would literally drag me out of bed. But, I mean, everything felt impossible. I thought I was going to have to drop out of Duke, um, and the only thing that really kept me going was that my rapist was going to graduate in four years and go on to a great medical school and keep doing this to other women, and that was not something that sat right with me. And I decided that, or I knew that the only way that I could start to heal from this and feel better about it was to do every single thing that I can do in my mm-hmm. power to try and prevent this from happening to yeah. another individual, male or female, on this campus. Yeah, I mean, I can agree with that. Like, those first months, like, I would wake up every morning and I would say, holy shit, like, I have to get out of bed this morning and I have to go do stuff and, like, I want to sit in my bed all day. But, like, I didn't even know that that was why. Like, I just was like, oh, I don't like Duke. Like, it's Duke. You know, (laughs) like, I didn't even know, like, how to assign this blame to anything. I didn't know it was happening. And, like, now that I know, it's just so upsetting. And I think think, the moment when I was diagnosed with PTSD was when... Yeah, same. Everything sort of sets in, like... And this just happened to me, like... really fucking horrible happened to me. And I can't just be okay. And I I would ignore it until, like, until a doctor finally told me, like, Mm -hmm. you have this. And, like, I would fight it. I'd be like, no, like, it's not that. And they're like, yes, you do. And I just, I think it's so important to, like, share with you guys how, like, hard it is to deal with these feelings and how, like, important it is to not, like, judge the person, talk about them, or, like, make assumptions because... There's no one way that a survivor should act following assault. Yeah. And also, like, I don't think people should try... I mean, I'm not, like, don't do this. Like, that's not what I'm trying. I just, like... Like, don't try to, like, make people, like, people feel things in different ways. And, like, people feel different feelings in different ways. But, like, that doesn't make the feeling any less real real for that person. And that's something that's hard to understand unless you're in those shoes. Yeah. And I think a really other important thing to realize is that if you know someone who comes to you with this sort of experience for support... That, that is your role, you know? You're there to offer mm-hmm. support no matter what. You're not there to ask questions about what happened or to pry for more specific details mm-hmm. or to push them to report it to the school. Yeah. And, you know, it's a long process, and it's a very it's so personal process. complicated, and it's just... You just need to be there and hold their hand. Yeah. And There's like, a lot of healing that yes. needs to happen before any progress can be made. mm -hmm. I agree. And I think maybe, like, before we sign off here, like, if there's anyone out there who's hearing this and, like, can relate to this in any way, like, maybe reach out to the producers of this podcast or the host because... They'll connect you with us. They will connect you with us. And, like, I think that's something that has helped both of us is... um, being able to meet with other people and help them and just talk with them and there is a network of people who understand yes. there and it 
just as, to know that you're not right. the only one is been, as invisible as it, yes. you may feel going through this experience. Mm-hmm. You're not, and there's a lot of people who are so excited to support you mm-hmm. because unfortunately they've had to have this experience mm-hmm. and they want to be able to help make it better mm-hmm. for the next person who has to have this experience. And we know that it's not, you know, it's not one fix and this mm-hmm. problem's going to go away. It's going to be it's a like, long how do we, like, process. Get back. How do we get back to living our lives and, like, because, like, obviously it's just, like, I think it's hard to change the culture mm-hmm. of the school. I mean, and the way you do that, I think, is to, to start is just to educate people and have people mm-hmm. be aware and, like, we'll take baby steps. Have and, like, conversations like this. Yes. Well... Yeah, keep your your strong, badass girlfriends around you. Yeah. Girlfriends or guy friends. Just keep a strong support system at all times. And I promise that you will be able to get through whatever it is that you're having to go through. So there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And hopefully you actually gained some more awareness about this super prevalent problem on our campus. Please, if you or anyone you know is a victim of sexual assault, don't be afraid to reach out and use any of the resources mentioned today. And of course, yes, it is Panhellenic Sexual Assault Prevention Week, and it is April Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And that's part of the reason why we did this. But beyond that, we really want to emphasize this, this will always be a relevant topic as long as the status quo is maintained. After listening to this, we hope that you do your part in implementing some change.